what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only from BeExposedRadio.com. I decided to like just get out of the house for a moment. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do and following the rules and abiding by the regulations. And um, I see a lot of people aren't still. Um, but I am happy to today, like this week has really been um, different for me out of all the weeks that we've been in quarantine. And I've, I've really kind of been taking notes through the whole time, but I've really made some some hard decisions that really aren't that hard, that really aren't that, um, that really weren't really that hard for me, but it really will mean the difference between what I have been doing as an artist and entrepreneur and what I'll be doing coming, um, going forward. And that conversation, um, kind of, well, that decision kind of was solidified when I talked to my guest today, Miss. Uh, Sheila, I was about to call you Sheila Dixon, Miss Sheila Gass. That's right. <laughs> That's the only reason why I voted for her, so we can all be mixed up. Sheila, yes, Sheila Gass. I'm jumping right out there, and she's the only person that I know that is qualified, uh, that is uh, ready. It has an actual plan. Everybody else is just trying to hold off so they can have their special interest kind of hidden until they uh, win. Uh, but I'm definitely for Sheila Dixon. Um, I'm not going to make the same mistake that many people made with uh, Hillary Clinton. I'm going to make sure, and uh, even um, Abrams, uh, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm not, for me, I'm going to make sure uh, I get her out there as much as I can, and please post who you're voting for. If unless you're one of them people who got hidden agendas and you you playing both sides of the the, the field, uh, please just just get your people out there. We don't know who you're voting for because you spend most of your time telling us who you're not voting for and right. why you're not voting for them. Get right. your candidate out there so we can actually win this. Uh, so we can see who really is about that and force them to put their platforms up. I'm tired of all these other people, except for Sheila Dixon, doing all these virtual town halls and, and such. And they're not, they're not, we don't know anything about them still. Right. Brandon is the young wonder of the city, but I still don't know what he's going to do. Right. Other than bring a useful energy to the, the democracy of Baltimore City. I, I still don't know. That's right. And and you're right. I uh I, I don't even think Sheila even got a chance to do her thing before the scandal, you know? And so we all know. Give a sister a chance. And you're right, we are voting by mail. Mm-hmm. Voting by mail. How many people voting system is messed up? How many how many people can't even get their own mail for real? And so we are voting by mail. So that to me is a little okay. Well, I'm, I'm my. I mean, that's one issue, but my issue is: look, they still asking. They were still asking for people to do their census, right? And didn't turn that in. So nope. I'm nervous <laughs> for that reason alone. Like the people who would want her in, are they actually going to get out and vote? Like and and send their you know ballots. And I know some of us are still 
waiting on our ballots, but I know her campaign and the uh, Brandon's campaign is doing a good job of sending text messages, making sure we got them and um, holding people to the fire so we can get out information. But I've been seeing too many posts about uh, mail carriers dropping mail, but I knew that was a thing already, dumping people's mail like oh instead of delivering them. So I'm fearful of that. I hope by the time we are in our presidential election that we're not doing the same thing. I can't I can't take another day of Trump. But, but you know what? That whole presidential thing might be already in the bag anyway. They are already they are already gonna make that happen because I saw a whole HBO show and they talked about how Russia was setting up all the electoral systems here, how they were hacking and how easy it was. Yeah. Easy. So, yeah. you know, I, I just write that one off. I just like, okay. I, I can't. I, the devil is a liar. I can't do that. I'm not. Mm-mm. Mm. Well, put yeah. it like this. I, I would, we had the vote, I, I would had be, I'll let myself be charged with treason for killing them because I can't. Mm. I can't do another. I can't. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, we can't, but I hear that Pence is worse. Yeah. So we got the lesser of two evils. Um, and traditionally people have been in for eight years. Mm. I think Bush, the oldest Bush might've been the only upset with Clinton or something, but don't. We need another Clinton to come through because I can't, I, I, I literally cannot watch this country get any worse. It is depressing to even watch him speak on behalf of the free world. Right. I, I, it's really hard for me to even imagine of another four years of him. I look at the destruction he's already caused for us. And whoever comes in there after him, it's gonna be worse than when Bush left it to uh Obama. It's gonna be much worse. But I would rather see a recession than another four years of him. He's gonna be there. Oh. He is gonna be there because they like him in there. He's the only one talking about white survival. And that's what this is about. When, but when Obama I mean, got in there, that I, that upset the whole yeah. apple cart. What? How did, what? You know? This, this, I think this moment is different for those people who are supporting him because by the end of the summer, we're going to see so much death. And I, I prayed over it and I just was hoping that my spirit wasn't, telling me the truth, but we're going to see death on another level. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of those people who are putting the, their faith in him blindly. Yeah. Uh, not, um, and not taking heed to common sense is, is this feels man-made. I all that aside, it's still something to be said about us, a, a government system and individuals forget the government individuals who put greed and opening up a shop that nobody's going to come shopping over the lives of the people around you. So you willing to kill off the people who you want to come uh, support your business. Yeah, it's all about money. It's all about that green.
people who hate the idea of explicit racism, but subconsciously they really don't like black people. It's institutional racism, and and they they push that agenda versus us being slaves, but we can be slaves to contracts. Um, I've watched, and 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 to include us in this. It's many black, for me as an artist, there are many black-led organizations that are no different. And it, it angers me. It, it really angers me because I've learned my value in the eyes of the people who I trusted to guide me through my artistry as a business. And I will no longer put that on the line anymore. And that goes for anybody. Right, right. I know my value. I know I know the value of the people around me. And I just see people being treated like anything for the sake of a dollar. And yes. right now we're all, I don't care how wealthy you think you are. Wow, yeah. It has gotten so big in the way they treat each other. Yeah. Somebody who I didn't know that I could call on my show at any time. Now I got to go through a series of, uh, of uh, managers. Yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate because Baltimore has this crab mentality anyway. And so the talent that comes out of here, nobody comes back. They all fall tail because of the crab mentality. I had a conversation uh, uh, with a gentleman last week. I did an interview with him and he said, uh, this crab mentality is weird because we claim that a lot. But we want crabs aren't supposed to be in a barrel. That's not their natural state of mind. So of course they're gonna claw and try to get out. But some of these allies that we have, or some of these internal members that we have, once they get out of the barrel, don't think to tip the barrel over and let us all out. Right. Keep us in that that barrel. And I used to I used to claim that all the time because we just the crab city. So I used to claim that all the time, but when he said it, it really was last uh, Friday he said that to me. And I never thought about it that way. We're not, crabs aren't supposed to be in a barrel. That's That's not their natural habitat. Unless they're about to get cooked. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like that, when he said it, my, that's why when I talk to you, my argument, my point of view was very clear at that point. Soon as he said it to me, I thought about it for a day and I meditated over. So by the time I talked to you, everything that I had been feeling and going through and seeing and like going back and forth with, it became, I was no longer hesitant about saying no. I was offered opportunities to do the same thing that I've been doing since I was 23 in this moment. And I said no to it. I'm not going into another teaching artist environment to only be treated like nothing when <laughs> the backs are up, up against the wall. Yeah. I was disposable, a disposable commodity. Right, right. Who, who they were still asking for our content and our artistry to be put on a piece of paper so they can send it somewhere. Right, and get a grant and... And uh, so, yeah, so Apartheid's whole goal, you're right, crabs were not supposed to be in a barrel anyway, Mm -mm. um, unless they're about to get cooked. So the philosophy behind Apartheid and seven other women, I don't want you guys to think I was the only one, it was seven other women um, Mm -hmm. who started that, including Mia. What's up, Mia? Shout out to Mm -hmm. Mia. Valeska and uh, Hannah and all of them. 
the the idea was it was never equal. So we keep talking about equality and equity. Well, we need to talk about as pause to equal, but nothing has ever been equal at all. Well, we keep confusing diversity with equality. So they've diversified many of these organizations, but is it equal? Right. But people think diversity means physical. Diversity means a mixture of thoughts, of ideas. That's diversity. Not you gotta have this person, this person. That's not that's not diversity. They've done a great job at diversity though, but when it comes to the actual decision makers, right, there's no diversity in those boards. Right, right. And And they try to add a they try to add a face. In their brown or chocolate or yellow, yeah, yeah. just because it looks good on the outside. Mm-hmm. See what we got? Ooh, look at us! We're homogenized now. Look, we're a melting pot. That's but all. That's but all honestly, I'm I'm not even I'm not even angry at them because in my mind, and just me in the last couple of years, so I'll say over the course of the time that I've been with the Artists Exchange, I've been invited to conversations. And I'm looking back and I'm referencing Bill Cosby for a second because this was his argument and him saying, hey, we got to get out shit together because they're having these types of conversations about us in these meetings. And we don't realize that they are saying these things. And this is the reason why they're not supporting us and they're not opening doors for us. So I'm taking that just a, 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 well, a lot further because my, my objective is I don't want to be a part. I don't want to be a part of anything that seeks to, to grab and grab money. That's on a rat race for money. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I want to get paid. I want to be healthy. I want all of us to win, but I can't be a part of an organization where like a school system that has a CEO and not a superintendent. I can't, I, I, I can't do that anymore because I'm always a line item. I'll always be a line item and disposable. The moment I become a bill, and not a commodity to them. So, so what? What I what I'm saying is that that money, mm-hmm. you deserve that money, and you right. should not have to fight for that money. Mm-hmm. And that money should be given to you, just like it's given to white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Art is subjective, and just because you don't understand my experience when I paint this picture, does right. not mean it's it ain't professional art. That, that's not mm. what that means. You cannot base all of the stuff that I'm doing on a textbook of people mm. who've done it before. That is bull crap. And yeah. so my, my argument is I deserve that money. I'm a taxpayer. I deserve to get that grant. I don't care how many misspelled words I may or may not have in this application. Mm. I deserve that money. And you can't relate, so therefore I'm not going to get it. That's so good. Oh, at the end of the day, that becomes that becomes the kind of line in the sand that they draw because ultimately they don't even care what you're really doing. They just care how they can portfolio your work for their future grant needs. That's all. That's the whole. If what you do makes sense to them on paper, I've seen people make decisions and include people that ended up biting them in the tail and not delivering on what they say they can do all because what that ultimately was a big project that meant X, Y, Z and fit all the, the trigger points and the, the trending 
501c3 issues. And that person took the money and left and never delivered on a promise. And it was said to me, I've seen a lot of us do that to each other. I'm seeing a lot of us take the money and run and not deliver on promises to us, to ourselves, that we got to finish these things. Or we're looking for money on the first day. And I understand need, but you are artists first. And if you you have something to I'm tired of, I'm tired of selling ideas. That's what that's what I'm I mean ultimately. I'm yeah. tired of people selling ideas. Yeah, and, and to get paid for your ideas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And get and get credit for your ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So so with with this whole apartheid thing, you know, it's it's been five years. And mm-hmm. if I could sit and assess what I think has become uh successful in it, um, I think the the ability to have all of these people in a room mm-hmm. to have a conversation um, right. or to have an action plan. And I, I think once that happens, that mm-hmm. to me is successful because a lot of people say, Sheila, what, why you keep doing this? Why are you messing around with this stuff? Why are you doing all this stuff? Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think that first of all, conflict is not abuse. No, and it's not. Stand family up. fight all the time. Stand family up for fight. fairness and equality is not you being loud and aggressive. Right, no. right, right. And so I think that my children deserve the opportunity. I think their children deserve an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen if you continue to, to think through that lens of less than. You or, or if we're feminizing, right. or it's not professional, or it's it's uh what is it raw or savage yeah. or uh tribal? Mm-hmm. That's my culture. Well, ethnic is too, or it, but right. those things those things mean something when when it fits uh, the gender. So right. Kevin Allen is doing a virtual show at the city hall right now, and his top and I'm not disputing Devin. He's a he's a really nice gentleman, really talented, and I like how how his perspective has now reached a global platform. But there are other Devin Allens in this Baltimore. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Other, uh, I, I see, but I, I'm I'm tired of them picking one of us, right, and making one of us the face. Before Devin Allen, it was uh, it was the young lady that got the the portrait for Michelle Obama. It was her. Before her, it was the, um, I cannot, the names are jumping out my head. Joy Scott. Joy Scott. Before Joy Scott, it was, it was uh, the gentleman who does the um, Out of the Block series with Aaron Hankins. It was him. And then it, it just seemed like when, when you win one cycle, then they pass you through all the other grant processes and you become that person for the moment. And then we don't really hear from you no more because we got this new candidate this black face that's going, and it's, 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 it's frustrating me only because, not because I'm not winning, but because I'm looking at the process. And I remember your argument from the very beginning, and, and I've noticed a lot of grants have gotten, not simpler, but less complicated. <laughs> they, 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 they were complicated for the second 
all of these people out. And I've noticed now a lot of the submittables are more uh, friendly to the novice artists and the quote unquote more experienced artists, the academic artists and the raw artists, the ethnic artists and the white artists. Yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah. So, you know, in Philly, in Philly they have uh they have they have an art they have an art grant for transgender women. Mm-hmm. They have a grant for women. So why should I have to compete? with B. Watkins, why should I have to compete with Joy Scott? Why should I have to compete with uh, all of these people who already got grants? Mm-hmm. I should not have to compete with that. They should be able to have a new Jack grant. Somebody mm-hmm. somebody who just want to do some art and pick their name out of a daggone bag. Well, they, well, they do. I'm telling you, they do have that. But what happens is it becomes a clickish thing. So... You you put somebody over charge of you put somebody in charge of one grant, and you notice that their group that they are a part of always is in the lineup, and I'm I'm starting to see it happen. Oh and yeah, I don't I'm I'm at the point right now. I want to start calling people names out. Because yeah, it's, it's getting to a point of, and I get it. I I get it because many of those people have been disenfranchised for a number of years. And if once people find a door open, they go keep it open for everybody in there. Click. I'm not, I'm not, we do that naturally. That's called the hookup in our community, right. in our culture. But what has to stop, we have to stop putting on this white face and discrediting anything that does not look like what I would do. Right. Or what, what uh, the white culture or the mainstream artists would do. And it started really, at, uh, one of my proudest moments is when that young lady did win the prize to become the, the uh, artist for Michelle Obama. And yes. he, she had a buzz here already. But once she got it, I saw the hate, the hatred for her. Literally, really? they, they would post her picture and black artists, white artists, artists in general would in the comment section say how much they don't like that and how ugly that was while putting their image in the comment section. But at the same time, she was asked to come to every art event and speak on every panel and be on every show and be a representative. At the same time, at the same time, when people wasn't really giving her work art, now she has a big image on the side of a... a McDonald's. Right, yeah. on the side of the Parkway Theater. Right. Like, and, and it's, it's just interesting how our work gets treated. And I'm most angry at us for creating this, this level of friction amongst each other. Well, you, this, this being mad at us, it's okay. I, you can do that. But this level of friction is historic. Right, so it is. Traditionally, mm-hmm. we, you fighting for uh, some crumbs. So right. you're going to fight. You gonna fight for some crumbs, so so I don't I don't blame us for that. I mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, but but you can. Um, it's more and, at and stake the, now, though. It's more at stake now. It's not just crumbs anymore. And if yeah, we collectively but still, speak, but if you ain't get the crumbs, if you never even got the crumbs, mm-hmm. you still gonna fight. 
I get it. It's not worthy. I mean, it's it's that's why we need to find other ways to support each other, to mm-hmm. uplift each other, because it's some bull crap. That right. is bull crap. You know, I've been you know, I've been studying and I got a couple of classes that I'm teaching about race. And mm-hmm. Dr. DeGruy, uh, who wrote post-traumatic slave syndrome, she had a wonderful thing. And a bunch of us from Baltimore went to Princeton. That was my first time in Princeton. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. She was beautiful, um, right? She had a, yeah, she had a, a seminar for three days. And one of the things that she said was that white people value objects. Mm-hmm. Black people value relationships. Latinos value relationships. Native Americans value uh, value spirit, and Asians value the group. Now, it makes sense to say that white people value objects because we was an object, they, and we they, still consider an object. Right, they relish in a title. Uh, a title money something concrete yeah. nothing nothing no relationships you can't see relationships yeah. you know that yeah. that's something that you have to have so so that money hey in competition i know when i was growing up and i, I love my my growing up we played catch one catch all we played games we was in the streets. We was doing all of this, hopscotch, all of this. And I talked to some white folks. They grew up being competitive. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be trying to win a race at eight years old and getting chastised if you don't win? Yeah. So what kind of mindset is that? And so we have a, co- a community. To win. Of, they got that win. I got to win. I got to win. Right. And if you got to win... What, what are you winning? A trophy? What are you winning? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were raised to as a village. Right. So that's that's the biggest, biggest difference. But shout out to the to the one who did the Obama thing. Because she really she did win, especially since that two-year-old saw that image mm-hmm. and just took that a whole thing to another level. But um, see, that's that's why. And I think our our um, perspective is in two different directions from the same place because I, I'm not blaming black people, but I am saying to you, we see what has been set up for us. And the difference between us is at some point, it became less about the collective and more about I. So right. we begin to adapt and adopt to that that my that mentality and I gotta win. Right. And I'm with I'm willing to do what it takes to win. Right. I see that in us in us now create we we are so innovative because we can pick up on a trend and, and make it our own. Right. But at the same time, if 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 we're in a pandemic and you're making uh you're making masks for twenty, thirty dollars a piece. Something in you should say, you know what? I'm still going to make sure the people around me is good. And if I give them one, they're going to tell somebody where they got it from. And then I can get my money in that way to the people I don't love. But you got family members who don't have masks. And you're still selling them for $30 to people who don't have the money. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have a problem with the mentality. But have, and this was in my own family. 
It's big chunks of my family that I don't speak to. And I'm not okay with that. And I just see, and that that's kind of the difference. And when I hear you talk, because I don't know a community based black culture. I don't, I didn't grow up with that. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, Kende, Kende, Ibram Kende, who wrote uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist, mm-hmm. he, he also grew up kind of like you did, like in and out of those white schools. And mm-hmm. and he saw something that uh, kind of startled him. And then he had to be like a little protester. Right. Um, and he, he just witnessed all of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so his whole concept, and I'm not speaking for him, I'm, I'm like kind of reading the book. But his whole concept of anti-racism is based on institutional racism and policy. Mm. And so he is saying that black people are racist. Yes. For a long time, we were like, no, black That's impossible. That's impossible. He ain't got no power. But listening to you, that is racism and it's anti-black. And black people have always been anti-black. Because black is like considered the yuckiest. Yeah. So who wants to be the yuckiest? So I don't fault that. I don't fault that at all. But the key is to be anti-racist. So yeah. you know if you're a black woman and you are head of, you sitting at the desk or the table and people have to greet you and you turn your nose up because somebody don't look a certain way, you're being racist. If that person is black, you're being racist because you are judging. They hood. You are judging. And I'm 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 speaking to the people who I know watch my show and don't say anything. And the people that I've had conversations with uh throughout this pandemic and even before this, but you know specifically who I'm talking to that sit at the helm at many of these organizations or who have a voice and they still choose to play the game. Right. They still choose to be lazy in their in their responsibilities as a helm. And I'm I'm all for not feeling like I gotta bring my whole race ahead. But when you took that position, you took that responsibility. Right. Especially when you're in a city right now, and I'm speaking specifically to our arts community. When you're at the helm of an arts community or you have a voice or or or, or uh, uh, or even nonprofits. Yeah, nonprofits in general. They, they 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 are ahead of some things and still not doing right. It's mm-hmm. still ain't right. Or yep. they might have a person who their whole role. I call them a, a, a Doberman Pincher. So their role is if you got if you got beef <coughs> with them as an organization. Oh no no his uh his uh. Uh, Rashida right here. Here's Rashida. And so Rashida's like, look, this ain't the organization for you to be doing all that talking about and all that stuff. Uh And and it's like, I know why you're here. You're here to fend off me. You're here to attack me because you black and I'm black. You think that I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing or saying what I'm doing because you are a German shepherd right now. You are a guard for the tower, for the ivory tower. I, I remember uh, I was working uh, one day at the Peel Center. It was another event. And I was I was on my phone trying to set up the live for the conversation we was about to have. 
And I remember this couple came in. They were a black couple. They came in. And when they came in, I was uh, putting in the description for it. And uh, she she made a little joke about me being on the phone and being at the being at the counter. Uh-huh. I said, oh, I'm, I'm working right now, but can I help you? Uh, you can, you know, it was a, a big event that we were doing. It was open to all the floors. It was like a big art event. And I said, well, you're free to go around. I'm just here to help you with any questions that you may have. And I didn't think anything of it. And I'm, I'm sharing out the live because we have a live feed of a conversation going on. And I'm sharing it out. And that same lady from that couple came back. She's like, you know, they're talking about you. They're, they, you know, they don't like the fact that you're on your phone right now. And I said, well, who? Who, is, who don't like it? Because I don't have a boss in here. I said, but is it is it a problem for you? Because I'm I'm actually working right now. You see this going on right now? That's a conversation that's going on. So I'm working right now. And I think she embarrassed herself to the level of not knowing who I was. And I was hosting, and this event that we were doing was the mashup. And I'm sitting there like I'm in charge of this right now. So I'm working right now. So if you are offended by me being in this white place and looking as if I'm ghetto or I'm, you think I'm playing uh, spades on my phone or something, <laughs> that's a problem that you have. And I'm not being, I'm not, I wasn't disrespectful to her, but I had to let her know in her little side way, ain't nobody talking about me but you. Yeah. You are right. uncomfortable with me being in this predominantly white organization being ghetto as you perceive it to be. Right. And, and, and what color was she? She was black. Mm-hmm. She was black. Yeah. She was black. She called herself helping you out. Yeah, she was. And I see that in, uh, in, in these art communities where they're trying to give us the lowdown and tell us how to walk the walk and how to put on our black face makeup. And right. I just can't, I can't be that person anymore and listen to those things because the old me would have like, well, let me, you know, somebody probably is like, looking at me and think I'm just goofing off right now. Let me know. Like if I was a white person standing right, you wouldn't have thought twice about no, what I'm doing. No, no, no. They, they have expectations. They have higher expectations for black folks. Yeah. That's why the president can never measure up. Obama can never measure up because the expectations were so big and so major. And now look what we got in there. The expectations ain't even no expectations. It like it bottomed out. What we get, we get, what we get. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she called herself taking care of you. Yeah, and on I when she, all said of it, when she said because even the director and she walked by and she she was standing beside me and they don't even know who she is. They just assume and they were correct in their assumption, right. but they assume and I'm showing her how how the live is going to be going. And I think she just, it just went over her face. And I, I do this specifically to those types of people. I introduce her as the director of the executive director of the place. And I, I let her take over. And I just stand there and watch their whole attitude become their conversation because much lighter and much more, you know, enthused. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm, it's amazing to me. And that's, that's why I think I, focus on those faces that look like ours that kind of act 
act as doorkeepers, but like you just said, they the German shepherds. Yeah. Uh, and they act as the dorm, the doorkeepers, the gatekeepers in our art community and our, you know, just this Baltimore business entrepreneur community. And it it, it happens, but I I'm I'm in my planning process now and I scrapped everything that I thought I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I'm now having to restructure myself as an individual independent artist and figure out how I am going to get through this. And I added a little bit more of the eyes to my goals and my dreams and this, this journey that I'm on. And it makes me feel bad because I'm not a selfish individual. Mm-hmm. You know, Everything that I do, I'm always looking for somebody like, okay, this is the conversation. Oh, I'm going to call her because we just had this conversation. I know where her mind is. Sheila didn't. I know. Let me let me put her on the spotlight right now. Everything that I do is about how we can get along and how we can move forward. And when I'm seeing something totally different and I'm listening to you reminisce over that moment and try to bring that atmosphere back to where we are now. And, and no, you're gonna make me cry. But it's, no. it's hard for me. It's hard because we begin to grade each other as they grade us. Yeah. And, and what's good art and what's bad art and what's uh, mm, I don't like it's that. Acceptable, what's not? Yeah. yeah, but you you don't have to come to it. You you don't ever have to come back. You no. know that uh, Kenneth got got shout out to Kenneth. He got some stuff in the chat room. Uh, he said there should be an artist wall of fame to celebrate all types of artists. It's and and I know I and, and working with Kenneth before I know that uh, that that is possible and it's a and it's a goal, but the call is coming from within. Right, you got to deal with that person that's within our midst. That's causing it before we can address any racism or any any indifference or any roadblocks or we can we're not even there yet mm-hmm. because we got somebody in here in in house that's making the phone calls out there so they know what our moves are. So I I don't trust a lot of what's going on within our own culture and our community within the arts community right now because I just feel like is a setup. And I hate feeling that way. I hate being that way. It stifles me. It keeps me behind. It, it ruins my relationships with people because I can't go just be friends with Fashela Gaskin because I'm wondering, well, when she going to show her her black face? <laughs> and that's, I hate feeling that way. But this, this no, anybody who's ever tried to work with me prior to this moment that I'm in right now, I've felt that way about you. Mm. And I just, I'm waiting to see when your face will really show, when was mm. when it's gonna really come out? So, I don't mean to be like that, but but I have loved the idea and the perspective of art part side from the beginning. I was a little concerned because I thought it was white led, um, predominantly white led, and I was worried and concerned. Um, and I was just one of them people that was like, I don't want Sheila out there like. Vouching for something that ain't, you know, and and I think what why the white artists are attracted to it is because of this sense of trying to reach equity or 
trying to come to a compromise because the when 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 I was talking to the women, we we are uh, we sat and we sat at Joe Square and we talked for two and three hours about the same thing, and we all were saying the same thing, no matter what our skin color was, we were saying the same thing. And we was like, you know what? What can we do to to uh, address this? And so that's how that whole idea started. But like you said, I mean, they're, they're gatekeepers. They're German shepherds in apartheid. They're, uh, they're racist folk in apartheid. All of it exists. It's all coming to of- I like how I like how your subsequent gatherings have been these small little isolated groups. And I think the last time I came to one is when we were at um the new um Red Emma's. Oh, okay. Every time I've ever gone to one, I just listen. I really don't even talk that much, but I like to listen to what people are saying because it tells you just who they are. It yeah. tells you. And without them, and that's why I don't think. Racism, racism as we see it today is not malicious in the sense that I don't want you to achieve, but I just want to achieve so much more that I'm going to make sure you don't achieve. Or I don't like the idea of racism being being shot in the street. That's not me, but I'm still not going to give you that grant money because I don't think you're going to spend it the way that I want you to. Right. So right, right. It, it has a, like my the class that I have at Micah is called contemporary racism. Know your bias because we mm-hmm. all are biased. But who are you rooting for in the long run? Who even, do you want to see win in the long run? Even who through this pandemic, where say again, even through this pandemic, where they were giving relief funds. I heard it wasn't no black people getting none. Now. I I can I don't know how to say this, but there thanks to Alana, Alana's Alana, um Alana Nicole's uh relief fund that she started kind of spearheaded a lot of the organizations <laughs> to get up and try to do something. Cause before that it was quiet, nobody knew what to do. Everybody was holding their treasure chests to themselves. Um and then people began to, once they saw her. Just, you know what, I'm going to just do this on my own. I'm going to just seek out uh, funds and just divide them up. And hers, to me, felt the most honest. Right. It felt the most genuine. Yeah. Um, Because then people began to use their resources to really stockpile money and then throw out these uh, submittables for you to be able to fill out. And I'm not opposed to people filling out because you you got a paper trail money. You know, Marnie, uh, the owner here, he says he talks to me about that a lot. Like, there always has to be a paper trail with the money. So I'm not opposed to you saying, hey, can you sign this piece of paper? But if you're giving me money to be able to survive right now, I shouldn't be having to uh, double, triple explain my process as an artist. No. If you believe I'm an artist. Right, right. Why you got prove you are an artist? Right, I'm now about proving that person who went to Micah. They had to prove that they was an artist. But what I'm, what some of the things that I'm now having to recognize in myself, I did not portfolio my work great 
uh, I, I wasn't great at portfolio in my work and uh, having my stuff accessible um, to be able to submit. Um, and that's a problem that I have. And that's something that I, I've, I first sought out diversity in the arts. When we first started talking and I was talking about diversity in the arts, that's why I was doing it, because I wanted to learn how they were keeping track of their many projects. Because I, I have the same resume. I've done X amount of shows. I've directed, stage managed, did makeup. I've sold jewelry. I've taught, you know, all across the board. But I did. I wasn't good at portfolio in the work. So putting it in a capsule where I could deliver it to you and say, here, this is why I deserve this grant. And that was intimidating to me. And I saw a lot of artists like yourself get intimidated by the process and what we had to deliver. And I'm going to speak for myself. I can't speak for you. But it was intimidating to me. Like, I, I almost forgot that I did all the stuff that they were asking me for. I just didn't have it in a format that they were asking it to be in. And so that is my argument. That is my argument. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to go jump through all of these hoops? If you say you like me, why do I have to jump over all of these hoops? You know, I work with people who. Who are who have learning disabled, who uh, who who have autism, and right. they they communicate through a device. Some of the the students can't see very well, and mm-hmm. they can create art. But why would you judge them based on A, B, and C if they can't do it? Well, because the standard is being set by individuals who aren't artists. Let's be honest. A lot of them aren't artists or the other extreme. They are grading your art based on what they have produced or what they feel success is. And I've I worked with a couple youth organizations in the past. I worked with a couple youth organizations that grade the students. Like at the end of every year, they did a big presentation. And they would go around, they would send these, um, uh, I forgot the, the word they call adjudicators around and judge what group of students had the best projects or what was worthy enough to bring a part of the group. And I, I remember one of my groups not making it. One of the schools I was at one year didn't make it. And I asked her, I said, well, can you tell me what you do? And it was, I, I made sure to not be like, well, you tell me what you do. Like, I was curious. What do you do? She was like, oh, well, I, I love art. I just love art. So you're not an artist. So you're telling these children right here that they're not good enough to be in your program and they're not good enough artists and you aren't an artist. So we have a lot of doorkeepers that aren't artists themselves, mm-hmm. that aren't versed in what they're asked to be the supervisors over. And then not only that, you're not taking in consideration. People have different learning styles. And yeah. I, 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 I like how a lot of the grants have become more simplified. And I, I, I cringe using the word simplified, but you've taken the bias out of a lot of these grants. It's what you did. So now you have people who would never have filled out a grant now getting grants. Um, yeah. and, and that's been my process. Like, I always fill out grants and then I get frustrated because with myself, because I did not categorize or put into a portfolio or keep organized the things that I've done. Like I have all my playbills. Can I submit my playbills? 
This shows that I was an artist. But not only do I have to prove that I'm an artist, I have to prove the caliber of artist that I am. And I, I think a lot of that, it feels like a bias because I'm being judged based off of somebody else that you want. So you're, you're making me jump through a hoop to be that person. Right. So outstanding as an artist is one thing. It's one representation of a person. It's not the vast collection. You haven't done a cross section or we're not, we're, you're not judging me on a cross section of our city, but you're judging me based off of the one or two that have made it out of the city. So you got to be this. WJZ got to have said your name in the past before. Mm-hmm. Or Oprah had to have hashtag you. or Spotlight. Spotlight. Right. Right, you know, but it, it, it's just amazing to me. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I don't want to be angry anymore. It's institutional and it's structural, and it's still the same thing. It's all based on difference. Your approach to yes. difference. People hate difference. People fear difference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people live in homogenous communities. Yes, it's our, it's our separation that makes us stronger as people. It's our difference that makes us stronger. It's not the same. And if you are uncomfortable with something, I keep going back to that. If you're uncomfortable, you're gonna either hate it or fear it. And if you fear it, you don't wanna be around it. And yeah. so if it makes you uncomfortable, then you become anxious and you can't even speak to that person or you can't even let alone judge them to see if they're gonna get some grant money you know, in the school system, uh, test scores and children's behavior was based on white girls' behavior. Mm. White girls in school, uh, the way they behave is what they think other children should do. Yeah. How in the heck do you do that? And then testing is based on your upbringing. So reading comprehension is based on your upbringing. So if you didn't have the the bestest upbringing, you might not be able to read. And the last thing I will say, which is the, the totalist, most craziest idea, is testing for the COVID-19 is based on your doctor's permission. What if you ain't got no doctor? Mm-hmm. What you ain't got no doctor? So what? So I can't get tested because I don't have a doctor. Well, why don't you have no doctor? Oh, uh, I don't got no money. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh! I want to be. I want to live like this. Oh yeah, I can't wait to live like this with nothing. I haven't been to a doctor in fifteen years. So it's all bias. It's all by design. And it ain't fair. And the beauty of all of that is that it can change. Yeah. It ain't, this yeah. ain't etched in stone. 50 yeah. years ago, you couldn't do certain stuff. 50 years from now, maybe you can. And we getting blacker. So like yeah. it or not, we are getting blacker. We was never a minority in the first place. And that is an insult. In Baltimore City, 60% of the population is black and has always been black. So where am I a minority? I ain't no minority. You a minority. So again, all about perspective 
and mindset. And it ain't gotta be that way. It don't. It don't. It don't have to. And in my mind now, I'm at a space where I'm I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of avoiding opportunities for me to be a part of grants. I used to go, you know how they used to have those cycle meetings where they would give you information on the upcoming grants? I used to go to them all the time. And I would psych myself out of even submitting the grant while at those meetings. And I, and I, I stopped even wanting to be around people who were those grant-seeking people because I didn't want to feel that angst about filling out a grant because a lot of the information required information that you would have had to submit if you were already successful. Mm -hmm. It was no room for the entry level. And I'm not a person that complains about it's not fair. It's not fair because it's not really meant for all of us to succeed because it never was meant for all of us. No, 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 no. And, and I had to realize even me being in being able to go to private schools, it was based off of the the earlier form of the lottery system. Uh-huh. So I was blessed to even had gotten into the cycle of being put in because my mother couldn't afford to send me to a private school. Well, she she was paying my tuition, so she could afford it. But it still it wouldn't have. That was only after or later in the process. But it. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be accusatory. I don't want to hate because I had I had gotten into a space of hating white people in this art community because wow. I, I saw because often I I think I'm safe to some people. Oh, you can say it around Nate. He Nate's a nice guy, and I would hear the conversations, and often I would be a part of the conversation. And I, in my mind, like, do you know I'm a black person? And you're having these conversations about black people. I never forget. I did a, a, a art show, and I was trying to be like, like the next thing, like I, not the next thing, but I was trying to be like them. And I created this immersive art show, and I was like, oh, I, you know, that's a word that's going around the community. <laughs> I'm gonna do this, and. I remember some of the people who was working within the space that I was in, uh, a lot of them, if not most of them, didn't come see it. And it hurt me, and it hurt the person that was in charge. And I was, I was, I was confused. I was like, well, isn't this what y'all do? Y'all like this word, immersive. <laughs> y'all like that. That's, I'm immersing. That's your, right. That's your word. Right. I'm immersing. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I remember one of the people said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it, you know, but I had a friend who was doing a show at the same time and she worked really hard for, you know, to put together her show. And in that moment, I, everything that that person said after that point, I wasn't listening because I, in my mind, what I wanted to say was, bitch, you don't think I was working hard? <laughs> <laughs> and I and but I was like, nope, that's not what you supposed you should say in this moment. But just let her have her moment because in their mind, we really did not work hard for that. In their mind, and I never forget it. Shout out to Tiffany Jones. We worked really hard creating that, 
And it just felt like we did not work hard enough. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what the difference was, I remember us using everything. It, we created something out of necessity because what we were planning on doing. Is that the thing that drew him, Park? No, 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 no. This was Blueprints, the standing only project. I'm not to put it out there, but I don't don't care. The Blueprints standing room only project that I did. And I remember what we were supposed, we were supposed to be creating a film and that did not pan out. So I, as as we do as black artists, let's make this work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just let this go. Let's make it work. And we created a process, but we use the resources around us, because we didn't have any money, I spent most of the budget that I did have on trying to make a film that didn't come to me. And I remember us using everything in our disposal. And I looked at that, and for them, to them, it looked like, you just put this together. Mm. Not realizing the time, that the years that I had spent with the script alone Right. The process and the thought and the connection that I had with it and all that was summated by she really worked hard and I had to go see it. And I and it was just the she really worked hard part that just it was just shooting me. I just felt I just felt bullets coming at me. And it and it really made me think like my work would never look like a professional uh artists until somebody validates me until a, a michelle obama picks me and that's when i'll be taken seriously yeah or when my photos on the front of the time magazine or that geographic but that's just the nature of white supremacy mate that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's, that's the that you know the the slave masters used to sit around and talk about how lazy the slaves were Mm-hmm. How lazy they were when they worked from sunup to sundown, did everything, slept at their feet, cooked mm-hmm. and nursed their children, but they are lazy. So that whole mindset of you're not quite human, so mm-hmm. therefore I can treat you this way, right. I can sleep at night, mm-hmm. is real. It's, 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 it's. That's the only way you're able to treat somebody that bad if right. you think that you are better than them or that they deserve it. Archie Williams says, no need to hate on anybody. Shout out to Archie. Uh, create your own lane and put in the work. And that and Archie represents your generation as well. And I know. Me and Archie go way back, Shawty. Shawty. But Archie... Archie represents that mindset uh, that this is a collective and we can do this. It's a village. And I just, I don't see that amongst us. And I remember you getting on me before, like, it's out there. You don't see this organization and this organization. I've been a part of many of those organizations. And you still don't see it. I don't. I went to it. I went after going to those predominantly white schools my whole life. I went to the blackest school in Baltimore City. Uh-huh. And I did not see it. I saw a bunch of resume builders that was trying to nurture the potential in me that they needed for their resume. That's mm-hmm. what I saw. I was a part of theater groups that that looked at the imagery and their suffrage and their their perspective and didn't see mine. 
then wasn't willing to see mine. I've been, and that's the part, and that's the unfortunate part, but I still was like, hey, I'm gonna be the one that they notice. I'm gonna be the one that break these trends and these cycles and got caught up in it myself. Yeah. And really, church hurt ain't have nothing on being an artist and being hurt. It ain't have nothing on it. What you call that? Church hurt. Church hurt. That idea of being hurt by your fellowship. Oh, okay. And I felt that in the artistry times 10. Yeah. And it just felt, you know, you can always just go to another church and get a better experience. But when you're in the arts community, once you start getting hurt, it it, it shows up in how you create, yeah. why you create, and your inability to create. Yeah. And it's there. And it's hard to break that cycle. So I'm listening to you, Archie, if you're still listening. But I created my own. I've been doing my own for so long. But sometimes you just want to win. You just want to... Just want to win. And also, you deserve that money too. Everybody keep telling me, you could, you ain't got to get that money from them. Why not? Yeah. I want that money. That is my money. I deserve that. So it might take me a minute while I'm fighting. Right. I deserve it compared to this person who got green eggs on the grass. What the F is that? And it ain't even his yard. Yeah. So is that art? Mm. Well, because I'm talking about things that are realistic. I'm talking about things that hurt my people. You don't, you ain't trying to uh, give money towards that. That's stupid on your part. Mm. I, 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 <sighs> It's my money. I, I, get, I want it now, and I need I, it now. You know, I get tired of creating on a shoestring budget. Even throughout this pandemic, I've managed to um, continue creating virtual events. And I was halfway through the process. I was really proud of myself because I say, Nate, look at you. Once again, you're creating lemonade from barely lemons. Yeah. You're making it work, and you're keeping it going. And I was saying to myself, like, okay, halfway through, I'm saying, I'm going to reach out to some people I know that write grants, and I'm going to, you know, barter with them and promise them a bottom line. And I was, you know, I, I have to take things into my own hands and stop being afraid of being at the helm of my goals and my dreams. And I got to stop bringing people on to support if. They really don't believe in me. They just believe in the dollar. And the moment what I look, the moment what I do don't look like it's going to mean much, then, you know, shout out to all the artists that kind of, that have trusted me uh, through this process and, and trusted themselves through the process. The many um, audience members that we have that have given a, a dollar or two or many, I'm, I'm not even you know, relegated to a small amount because I know right now everybody holds it on. But thank you to everybody that has supported and that's supporting everybody else that's doing things outside of my shows. But we got to do better. Yeah, and, and there's room for better. You know, there's there's room for better. Um, yeah. So the, the whole story about Ibram and, and how you were raised and how I was raised, Mm-hmm. And how you think it's like a fairy tale, but I'm telling you, it really was lovely and wonderful. And Archie is of that era. Um, and and shout out to Woolworks because we had act. Mama K had actors against drugs. 
and we was I was a working actress for like two to three years, just mm-hmm. being an actor in Baltimore City, paying my rent. It was before the kids, paying my rent, paying my car payment. That was so freaking and still lovely. doing that. They're still it was doing so it. lovely. Lovely. I didn't have to teach, even though I love teaching. It, that was that was my bread and butter. And and it was it was a group effort. Like I said, mm-hmm. they had directors coming down to center stage working with all kinds of people. And we were producing this original, genuine, that's how Honey Child Milk got started. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Archie knows because Charles Crockton and him, they was they was doing caught they were doing a Batman cartoon series, making yeah. that uh making that uh on film, <laughs> that's what they was doing out of Charles's house, where where it was also a retail store. His mom had. So okay. It was it was just it was just a beautiful time. And and granted, don't don't get it twisted, Nate. I, I was at Hopkins and I played a maid, mm. uh, in this old uh buck, buckler type of movie. I mm. mean, type of play. Right. Um, but the, what the lady said was, "Oh my gosh, Sheila." Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And her, her, her name was Callis. I could put colors on you. And I had orange and yellow on. And I was so beautiful. I need to go get that picture. I was so freaking beautiful. But that was what the, the costumer said. Because everybody else in the cast was white. She said, and, and, I, and, I, and one of the things that I say to parents now is if you're going to, if you're going to take that route with your child, uh, and sending them to private schools and Catholic schools and predominantly white schools, be an active participant. Yeah. Because I remember that same thing happening to me. I was in high school. The first play in my freshman year, we was doing Damn Yankees. No, 42nd Street. And the director, he was real adamant about everybody having on makeup because he didn't want any washed out faces on the stage. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting in the back. Uh, and I remember the young lady uh, saying, well, ask your mom, could you borrow some of her foundation? And I was like, my mother don't wear makeup. So, and her being like, she don't wear makeup. Like, no, my mother puts on some lip gloss and eyeliner and she is, that. that is her look. That's it. <laughs> but, and I, and I remember them like going through their makeup and trying to figure out, uh, uh, figure out what they going to put on me. Woo! And my foolish behind uh-huh. my ignorance, let them put rouge <laughs> on my face. What did they put on you? The girl called it rouge. Blush <laughs> in my face because that was the only thing that was close enough to my uh, to my your complexion. And I went out on that stage looking like a truffle. And and I rouge is like red, a chocolate truffle. And, and rouge is red. It's like a dark burgundy type of color. I, I looked like a a chocolate truffle. It was like. <laughs> She used like the brownish tones and the ridge tones, and I looked like a dried truffle. Wow! Hear my mother in the back of the auditorium say, "What the fuck is that?" I could hear her. Wow! In the back, and I and I I share these experiences because we have to be mindful of us wanting our children to have opportunities. 
that we also be mindful to be active. Because my mother, if I just went to her and like, Ma, I need some foundation in my tone, she would have did it. But I was embarrassed because uh, I didn't have any foundation. All the students have foundation. Right, so right. And, foundation. She, and she would have, you would have been left out if you ain't had nothing on. Yeah, so I, I let this girl experiment on my skin, and I tell you, I looked like a dusty, dry, matte-covered <laughs> truffle out uh, on the stage. Everybody else is shining and glimmering, and I was this chocolate truffle. What's that? That's the that's the, the Hopkins uh, play that I was in. I played. Oh Alice. no! See, see the yellows and the oranges. You that had a was, your, was your name was your name Bertha or? My name was Callis. It was a, it wasn't a Greek play, but it was, it wasn't Shakespearean, but it was done at John Hopkins at the Bond theater. And when I came home from college, but the the character's name was Callis. And I didn't even look like I'm flying. Doesn't even look like I have food, um, but she was so excited that she could put colors on me. Your complexion, they're just going to pop off of you. See, see that, see that. Even though I was amazed, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I did it. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it because I learned a lot in high school. But I'm, I'm, I'm at a space right now as an artist that I just want more for myself. I want, um, I want better. I want better in my choices. I want better in the opportunities that's being put in front of me. I want to be at the decision table. If you're gonna, if you're gonna push this diversity issue, I want diversity from the board down to the the face that you see of the organization. And I don't want all the faces to be black. I want everybody to be represented. Right. But I need us to feel like we all belong here. I want I want us to feel that way when we're in these institutions and when I'm a, amongst these people. I want that to be a thing. I don't want the Baltimore theater scene to get black because Center Stage brought on a black artistic director. I, I want it to. I want all of our work to be seen, and I, I don't want our work only to be seen by those white organizations. And then our work gets tossed under the table. And then we're not really recognized unless we're at one of these organizations producing our art in any fashion that is in. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be a thing. I'll go there, but I want you to come to, I want you to, I want to see your face in Arena Players. Yeah. I want to, I dare you to come to a show at Arena Players. Right. Right. You know, uh, and and that's the other part too. There's not a lot of, uh, people writing about these plays. You know, it has to be a certain a certain white cast member or a certain organization in order to get some media or some press on it. I'm going I'm to send you something while you're talking right now. And that's that, bullcrap. That, 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 I, oh yes, I, I got to send it to you now. So after I just did Pearly, and it wasn't because we didn't get a bunch of write-ups. When I say Troy Burton put his foot in it. He put his life in that moment. This was his first, uh, his first production company post his retirement, and for his production company, his co- consulting company. And 
when I say it was on point in every way it could possibly be, and we only got one writer who didn't even focus on our acting, but focused on her disdain and her dislike for the scripts that she didn't even write about us. Or even if we did bad that night. She hated the script. She hated the script. She hated what that script represented. She called it outdated, despite Pearly, the the play, the musical, whichever one you want to watch, speaking to what we're in right now. Captain Kachapi is Donald J. Trump. Yeah. In any any way you look at it. And the fact that that white face, and she was, I can't, she was a well-known, she's a well-known writer who's not of the theater, who wrote about a play that is outdated and, and why people don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult play because it's a musical, but you missed the whole point because of your white perspective. So, so Shakespeare ain't outdated? Thank you. Come on, Thank give you. me a break. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's all about difference. You either fear it or you hate it. Yeah. It's all about difference. If I'm uncomfortable, then something is wrong. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. If it's not smooth and yeah. we can't get along, then there is a problem. If I don't feel safe. And that's what it was. And I, I think her, her opening byline was uh, the creek or something, something about the creek of the stage which is dumb because it's not even the same stage no more. So you ain't hear us walking across the stage. And it was, it's just, it was just that. And from that point, and, and we had to talk after this, that was my point. I, I really want us to create our own, not, not our own, but we need more critics that look like us to be coming. Shout out to, uh, thank you, Three Minutes. Shout out to Angela that's over at Be More Art Magazine holding it down. But she can't be everywhere. No, she can't. I want her to come to FOMO, though. I need to figure out how to get in touch with her. She's very communicative on uh, Instagram. Yeah. But she comes by. She, she, and, and, and not just because she, she gives us the great reviews, but she, is, she really looks at what you have despite the duct tape holding it up. And she mm-hmm. looks at your intention and your story and your, your intentions on what you're doing. Beyond what's popular at the time, so I, I really wanted us to create some vehicles, even if it's not just me, but some vehicles where we can really, um, where we can be those decision makers. When we're writing about our art and we're writing about their art, telling them we tired of seeing. Uh, Shakespeare done because you don't have to pay for royalties. We not we ain't slick. <laughs> you doing it because you ain't got to pay for the royalties. But cool, do you boo? But stop discrediting our work because it is not relevant to your experience. Right, right. But uh, as we close out, please, and I I know we went over. But tell us about what's happening on this uh, Saturday. All right, so we got two things that's happening on this Saturday. Six o'clock, my daughter, Nakia Hampton. Shout out to Nakia and Nia, love you. Uh, Kia is a stand-up comic now after mm-hmm. years of trying to get her to do stand-up. Um, and so she's going to be doing something at uh, on behalf of the Peel, talking okay. about humor and healing. 
And okay. so she asked me, her mom, to come and do her first show with her. So I'm excited. Thank you for graciously inviting me. And then we have our part-time Flossy Open Mic Online. And that name came from Naomi. Shout out to her. And we got Ricky Shack before that as the MC. If y'all don't know Ricky, he the real deal. It, 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 it wouldn't be no comedy in Baltimore if Ricky Shackleford wasn't a part of it. Then we got Naomi, we got Red Ray, we got Mellow Myra, we got Tonea, funny lady, Agnes, Iris Shaw. Um, and so all of these artists are totally different mm-hmm. and we're in their home. And so we, they're going to express themselves the way that they express themselves and we are going to watch and be entertained and then donations will come and then you break it on up and we give it out to the artists that are performing that night. So it's been wonderful. This is our third one coming up this Saturday, knock on wood. Um, and they've been rewarding. So we've taken every Saturday in the month of May dedicated to uplifting art in the quarantine time. So we're coming to people in their homes who are opening up their homes, but they also are opening up their artistry. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how that can be a come or go thing, um, but we are so glad for it. So it's FOMO, um, sponsored by Apartheid. Look for the Facebook, the IG, um, Saturdays at 8 o'clock, and then Nakia thing is 6 o'clock um, on Saturday. Um, and next week, we're going to have Maybell, comedian extraordinaire. If you don't know Mama Maybell, then, then I don't know where you live. Uh, mm. She's going to be our host next Saturday. And then we'll have one more after that. And it's not too late. So any type of art you want to do, visual art, performance, poetry, uh, stand-up, uh, people are doing monologues, tap dancing, it doesn't make a difference. It's all in one spot. And it's not too late. Thank you very much, Sheila. All right, ma'am. And I'll be saying that on our page. This is the end of the Artist Exchange for today. I'm about to go right back in the house in my safety abode. Uh, shout out to all the other shows. Uh, and I believe uh, uh, Cocktail Social is up next. So thank you again, Sheila. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Look, look I'm giving you talk show. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nate. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I'm going I'm, I'm to call me, call me when you get a moment after this, too. Okay. Peace out. All right.